Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Good Friday evening, everyone. You know who I am by now. And if you don't, if you're new, my name is Matt O'Hayan, filling in for Tony Marinero on this Friday evening on the Sick Podcast. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, who have recently been named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award, recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for our customers, our employees, our communities. And join a winning team and check out Energy's career page, for available opportunities. Also brought to you by Playground. Don't miss Playground's August Million Poker Series from August 23rd to September 20 uh, to September 4th, excuse me, with $1 million in guaranteed prize pools, seven championship ring events, and a $600,000 guaranteed main event. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal, playground also brought to you by of course la beta tb beer brewed in quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards la beta tb offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la beta tb embrace your true nature and lastly by murphy clinic who are an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care they offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne rosacea fine lines and more they currently have two clinics one located in montreal shop angus and the second one on the north shore in terrebonne they're also opening very soon in quebec city visit murphyclinic.ca or on instagram at Murphy Clinic. All right. Um, so lo- uh, not even a lot of news happened at the beginning of the week, but we're going to touch on it. Uh, kind of a quiet lull week for the Canadians, but a big week for, uh, for hockey in general. Some big, uh, some big headlines coming out this week. And uh, we're going to break it all down with our regular Friday guest, Mr. Stu Cowan. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I like the Bengals orange. Yeah, you know, it wasn't even, uh, it's not even intentional, but uh, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. It's the last week of preseason, which means uh, just after Labor Day weekend, the NFL season kicks off. 
Um, so very, very excited for that. I don't know. I, I know you're not the biggest football guy, but you, uh, you'll catch a couple of games now. Oh yeah. I enjoy watching the NFL. My son's, uh, really into the NFL. So he's, uh, he's 22. So I like watching the games with him. You know, it's one of the best things that I would recommend if you can, uh, depending on the team he's, he's a, a fan of, or if he's just a football fan in general, you got to make it to a game. I know it's busy for you. I know it's busy for you in the season. It's crossing over with hockey season. But if you got the time, you got to do it. It's just uh, the tailgating. It's really it's it's a 10 a.m. till 4:30 p.m. event if you're uh, if it's a one o'clock game. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to take in an NFL game yet. Something I definitely love to. I actually got a chance to watch my first NBA game. Uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago. I was in New York uh, covering the Canadians, and I went to see a Knicks game at Madison Square Garden. That was really cool. But yeah, the NFL game live, I'd love to go see. Well, Buffalo seems like the, the, the sort of cool spot to go and yeah. close for us to go anyway. Well, clo- close-ish, right? I mean, like it's still it's still about seven yeah. or eight hours, something like mm-hmm. that. I have friends who do it all in one day, yeah. like drive the morning of, go to the game, <laughs> and drive home after. I'm like, you guys are insane. Yeah. Um, Anyways, let, let's jump in uh, to the ho- to the hockey stuff that's been going on this week. Some discussion points. Kirby Doc made an appearance on a podcast. Uh, let's start there. Uh, he said he really enjoyed playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, mm-hmm. obviously. Who wouldn't? Um, but th- to me, this is super interesting because, you know, when at the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, is he a center? Is he a winger? We don't know. And then he got moved around a couple times and excelled at center. Um, so let, let's start there. I mean, do you see, where do you see him, uh, fitting in now and, you know, maybe three years, two years down the road? Well, I know the Canadians see him as a center moving forward. They've been pretty clear about that, but I mean, he certainly looked really good. He was the best guy to play with those other two guys last season. He seemed to fit in with them really well, sees the game well, can control the puck through the neutral zone, get it in the zone, great at winning puck battles, good vision, good hockey IQ. So I wouldn't be shocked if they start the season with him playing with those two guys, just if they can't find somebody else. I mean, you know, they've tried Josh Anderson there, and Josh Anderson is more of an up-and-down you know, go hard to the net mm-hmm. type of guy. And they're Marty St. Louis trying to teach him to be more than that. And he's, we saw signs of that coming last season. But to me, at this point, Kirby Doc looks like a really good fit there. They have a lot of centers on, on the team. It, you know, it's amazing to think when, you know, Mark Bergeron used to talk about how hard it was to find centers and now the Canadians have an abundance of them. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think it would be a bad idea to, to put them on the wing with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, if nobody else steps up and, and shows that they're better than him, to fill that position during training camp. Yeah, I, 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 hard to disagree there. I mean, he looked really, really good when he once he started to come on, mm-hmm. and really the only, I mean, it seemed like finally they had found him, but he was brought in as a center, and like you said, the Canadians see him as a center. Um, what to me, what's interesting is the case of two players because we talk about one of them as if they're an old man when they're not uh, in Sean Monaghan, who's a natural center. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the new guy coming in and it's Alex Newhook, you know, like everyone seems to pigeonhole Newhook into, you know, the, the third center slot, which I guess in an ideal world, you know, if you build a great roster, sure. But I feel like if he could take on those second line center responsibilities, I'm talking Mm -hmm. Newhook now, that could be your solution at second center. And then Doc kind of in the mold of like how Team Canada plays. Well, obviously, yeah. it's a little bit different because they have an abundance of talent on Team Canada. But they got centers littered all over the, the lineup playing wings. So I feel like that's a situation that the Canadians 
might be considering now. Well, it's a lot easier for a center to learn to play wing than vice versa. We saw that with Jonathan Drewing. You know, when the Canes tried to make him a center, and it's just a big difference playing center. But if you can play center, you can play wing. If you can play wing, you can't necessarily play center. So the Canadians are lucky that a lot of guys, Monaghan can play center, he can play wing, new hook, like you mentioned, you can do both, Doc can do both. So they're in a position where they can move guys around. And, you know, I think back the day, uh, a couple of days before the draft in Montreal, uh, when the Canadians drafted Slavkowski number one, and they had all the top prospects in all Montreal, and I asked Slavkowski, you know, why should the Canadians take you at number one? And part of his answer was, is because I can play with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Yeah. And I'd love to play with them. And that, like, down the road, that's that could be who is playing with them. But Slavkowski, at least last season, showed he's nowhere near close to being the number one line forward in the mm-hmm. NHL at this point. The game just moves too quick for him. But for him, you know, the best hockey Slavkowski played last year was when he was with Monaghan, who was able to sort of slow the game down a bit with him. So, you know, having Monaghan play with Slavkowski, again, to me, makes is, makes a lot of sense this season. And have him come along and come along. And maybe he is the future winger to play with Coffee and Suzuki. And if and when that day comes, then you move Doc back to center and move him around. So there's it's interesting that Marty St. Louis has a lot of different lines. It's one of the most interesting things to see during training camp this year, leading into the season, what the lines are going to look like, what the forward guys are going to look like. Because there's a lot of guys you can move up and down, guys you can play center, guys you can play wing. Uh, but like heading into camp, to me, the most logical guy to play with Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, judging from what we saw last year would be Kirby Doc. Yeah, again, hard to disagree. I mean, I guess one player uh, in particular would have something to say about that, and that would be Raphael Harvey-Pinard. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is is one where it's like – I said this, you know, when I talk about football, I say the same thing about the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, in what I'm about to say about uh, Raphael Harvey-Pinard. He did it at the – when he did what he did, he played really well, and you can't take that away from him because he was he was really great uh, at coming on at the end of the season. But it's one thing to do that when the games for your own team really don't matter because you're mm-hmm. practically playing with an, an AHL lineup and you're eliminated from the playoffs. It's another thing to do that when you know it's a fresh season and let's see what we could do. Like I think. That personally speaking, that uh, um, you know, Martin Saint Louis and Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon would be thrilled if Raphael Harvey Pinard forced his way onto the top line. You know, like that's a great problem to have. But he he's a name in there that that I've seen been floating around, and I'm just saying, I'm just I have my doubts, and I don't know. You can't knock his compete. The compete will always be there, but he was shooting the puck at, you know, like 35% or yeah. something like that. I mean, when in Laval, I called him Lavalager, right? Because there's so many comparisons to Brendan Gallagher's style of play. And he is a younger version of Gallagher. And, and you know, remember back with Gallagher, he was a guy that whatever line wasn't working, the coach would put Gallagher on that line, and that mm-hmm. line would get a spark. And I think Harvey Pinard is a similar type of player. I think you can play him – you can play him on the first side. He's not a natural first line player, but you can play him first side, second line, third line, fourth line, like what Gallagher was back then. Whatever line you put him on, he's going to provide them a spark. Um, you know, he's not a like Gallagher. He's not afraid to go to the dirty areas. He can score from further out than Gallagher. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, but again, you know, you're talking about first line. If you have Doc Suzuki and Caulfield, that's three first round draft picks playing together on a first line. They're all young. They're all can grow together. Um, you know, I understand some people say, well, Doc's a center, he should be playing center. 
Um, again, moving forward, he's young. That might be the point. But you know, if you want to stack your first line with three top guys, there's three top guys right there that I think would work pretty well together. We saw they already did work well together. And you know, from the podcast the, the doc did, it sounds like he certainly wouldn't mind playing with uh, <laughs> Suzuki and uh, Suzuki and uh, Caulfield again to start the season. So, um, uh, like to me, if I like today, you're saying what would be my number one line for the Canes starting the season? That would be it. But training camp can uh, change a lot of things. And the Canadians showed last year, their coaching staff and management team showed last year that they let guys win spots. Uh, nobody thought Arbor Jacka would make the team last season. And he did. And Justin Barron, former first-round pick, the guy they got from Colorado for Arturi Lekin, and they sent them to the minors uh, because they thought Jacka played better and he was more ready. So that, to me, that's a really one of the most important things that this new management team Kent Hughes and Gordon and St. Louis has taken over and shown is that they don't really care where you were drafted or who you were. If you show that you can play and you're ready to play, you're going to play and you're going to get a chance. So that's, uh, as I said, that's one of the reasons I'm so looking forward to training camp and the preseason games to see uh, there's jobs that are open and spots that are open in the lineup and guys are going to be able to compete for it, knowing in the back of their head with Arbor Jack as an example that, yeah, there is a chance. It's not like there's no, like, Harvey Pennard's not coming to the training camp saying there's no chance in hell that I'm going to be playing the first line. It's a possibility he might, so he's going to go in. So there'll be a real good competition for positions, I think, during training camp in the preseason. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I'm really excited to see is just because obviously they didn't bring in many guys in the offseason. Nobody was expecting them to. Um, but I'm excited to see that internal competition because it just goes back to the thing that we always talk about, um, which is that they're trying to build a culture. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're what kind of culture is it setting if it's just like, OK, we invested all these resources into these prospects and then, you know, we're just going to throw you toss you to the side for uh, a player we signed in free agency you know what the, the you got to let the guys that you draft you know be the guys that you let that you drafted so when you I, I really like that they have this internal competition thing going and I'm just uh I'm really really excited for it because I think that's something that we hadn't had in a long time in Montreal I feel like for the longest time it's like we basically know who's playing where and who's making the team and just, uh, you know, the preseason games were kind of just a warm up. Yeah. And like Jack guy is, gives hope to a, another guy like him who wasn't drafted and maybe doesn't have a lot of high hopes coming into camp that, yeah, maybe I can make it. And, you know, as I said, Baron was the guy who was sent down. It also sends a message to first round draft, but they're not going to hand anything to you. Like mm -hmm. it's not just because we drafted you in the first round or whoever we gave up to get you doesn't guarantee you a spot on this team. And, you know, you mentioned about Canadian's development over the years. One of the problems was, you know, they'd call up an offensive-type player from Laval or you know, St. John's back in the day, and they'd play him five minutes a game on the fourth line with two pluggers, and he wouldn't do much, and then they'd send him back down. And then last year, I mean, injuries obviously played a role in it also. I mean, I don't know if mm -hmm. I would have ended up playing on the first line if there weren't so many injuries. I don't know if he even would have got called up. But he, he got an opportunity and he made the most of it. And he showed, uh, at least to me, that he's, he can play in the NHL. Uh, whether he can be a first liner, I'm not sure. But can he be a top six? Maybe. Can he be a third line guy? Definitely. Um, he, the compete levels there is that he's shown he can put the puck in the net when he gets a chance. And it's it's just that the it's been a real breath of fresh air just as far as the way they look at developing young players now uh, moving forward. And giving guys an opportunity to succeed. If you show me you're ready to do it, you can do it. You're going to get every opportunity to do it. So just, you know, back to the Caulfield-Suzuki 
we'll call it player X on the other side. Um, should that be a priority for the Canadians? Like, does that need to be hammered in this year where it's like, okay, we need to solidify this top line before we start, you know, making signings, pushing forward, or is it a matter of like, okay, we're going to see if someone can do it on a consistent basis. And if it doesn't, Hey, I mean, uh, the name William Nylander just keeps uh, propping up. So Mm -hmm. I'll throw him. So it's like William Nylander is available. So worst comes to worst, we'll sign him. And then we have our top line guy. What a line line that would be. (laughs) That would certainly uh, get Canadians fans excited. I don't think it's a, it's a main priority. I mean, lines change all the time, right? I mean, you see right. guys guys go through slumps. Lines aren't competing. They, they change around. You go back to the days of Scotty Bowman. He believed in duos. He would have two guys who would play together a lot, and then they have a third guy that might rotate in and out. So that might be a similar situation with the number one line until they find somebody uh, they want to stay there for extended period. Do they want Doc to stay there for an extended period? How much are they you – know, do they want him to play, get minutes playing center if they really think that's his position moving forward? But I don't think it's that much of a big deal. I mean, you know, the way systems work now with the F1, F2, F3, one in the four check, and that guys are sort of, it's not like it used to be when the center just went up and down the middle and the wingers went up and down the wing. Guys are sort of more interchangeable with the way today's systems work. Um, so, you know, your sentiment's taking the face offs, but after that, a lot of it, it changes as far as who's the first guy in the four check, et cetera, and the systems they're playing. So it's not as, uh, you know, being center is is not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, and and as the Canes are lucky when you got a lot of guys who can play center, as I mentioned earlier, center and wing. It makes it a lot easier when guys are sort of rotating on a forecheck or back check and whatnot. The guys understand the roles of a center, understand the roles uh, of a winger. And uh, again, as I mentioned before, Jonathan Drew, I mean, trying to take a guy who, who – skills and abilities are mainly as a winger and, and try and put them at center with all the defensive responsibilities and face-offs that that could, comes in. You know, in hindsight, that was a big mistake by uh, the Canadians putting Joy in that position. It certainly didn't help him as far as the time that he did spend in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a look now because you mentioned it a little earlier. The We keep mentioning there's a lot of young guys on this team and you mentioned, you know, the first line, it's uh, three first round picks. Well, the Athletic came out with an article, Corey Pronman, their head scout or uh, whatever his uh, his title is. He knows a lot about prospects. Um, came out that the Canadians rank sixth in pipeline rankings. Now, Cole Caulfield and Kirby Dock are part of these pipeline rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll give them a boost, certainly. But uh, interesting to note. Two guys above uh, Kirby Doc, because Kirby Doc came in at number four on the Canadians' internal list, which were Uri Slavkovsky and the most polarizing figure to ever step foot in Montreal since P.K. Subban, before he's even sniffed a Canadian sweater on the ice, is David Reinbacher. Um, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty ringing endorsement, at least the way I read it. Uh, two pretty ringing endorsements for Reinbacher and Slavkovsky that they're ahead of Kirby Doc, who, like we've said, he you know he's only what he's turning twenty two, so yeah. he's still uh, he's still got some time to develop. Uh, you know, players don't figure it out right away. So th- I feel like that's a pretty ringing endorsement of those two young guys, and I think that Canadians fans could uh, get a little start to get a little excited about your uh, Slavkovsky. Yeah, well, the two guys you mentioned, Slavkovsky and and, and uh, uh, Reinbacher, they're. they're, they're 
they still got that sort of new car smell, right? They're still the new kids. I mean, Slavkovsky last season didn't look, you know, Kirby Doc's much more ready to play in the NHL mm-hmm. and much better in the NHL than Slavkovsky is at this point. But these guys are, you know, number one overall pick and number five overall pick. Kirby Doc was number three overall pick. Um, so it's, it's sort of looking at potential. I think they're looking at there more so than where they are at this point. I'm really interested. Slavkovsky, one of the guys I'm really interested to see what he can do this year because you know just reading this different offseason training he's done he's lost weight which i think will be a good thing it's hard to play in the nhl at 230 pounds he wasn't fat he was just a big big built like an nfl tight end more than a hockey player i think that'll help him losing a little bit of weight making him be a, a, a little bit quicker uh with ryan Backer, i mean i don't think we're going to see him in the nhl this season um slavkovsky the last season I, i've mentioned before and i've been on with you that i Think they made a mistake by not sending him to the World Junior Championships and giving him that experience and maybe giving him a bit of a confidence boost. Obviously, the injury came in and, and that ended his season. But you know those rankings, Andrews. The, the, as I said, it's like the new car smell. We haven't seen as much as what we haven't seen anything what running back can do in the NHL. We've seen sort of what Slavkowski can do. But to me, I mean, Kirby Doc's ahead of those guys. Personally, mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, as far as uh, uh, what they can do in the NHL this season. No, I agree with you there, but uh, the point the point is, is like, because uh, we're going to get to expectations, uh, you know, th- we've been talking a lot about him, and, and I, I just want to know, because I've been asking a lot of my guests this, like, what what are the expectations, or what are fair expectation levels for Uri Slavkovsky? Because, you know, again, like, we, like you said, first overall pick, uh, you know, highly touted coming into the NHL, uh, he won... Uh, the the MVP at the Olympics a couple of years ago. This is, you know, he's been playing with men forever. Um, it, to me, it's like, then you have the other side where, okay, he didn't have a great, he didn't have a good rookie season. Um, so people are kind of like really tanking expectations. I don't know. This guy's still first overall pick. I don't think he's going to be a flop. I mean, nobody thought Neil Yakupov would be a flop either, but th- that's another conversation. I, well, what's a fair level of expectation for Yuri Slavkovsky this year? Well, it's tough for any 18-year-old to play in the NHL. Even Lafreniere was supposed to be one of the you know, the mm-hmm. undisputed number one pick, was going to be a star in the NHL. It hasn't worked out that way with him. He just signed a new contract. It's like two, just over $2 million a year for a couple of years. He's been a disappointment so far uh, with the Rangers. But again, he's like, what, 21 now? Mm-hmm. Um, so for Slavkovsky, very, they're similar. They're two big, big bodies, two big guys. Uh, uh, Lafreniere was a man when he was a boy, right, playing in junior, and that made things mm-hmm. easier for him. And same with Slavkowski, he was a man. As you said, he did play against men before, but it wasn't NHL men, and it was on a bigger rink where the game's a little slower and you have a lot more you have more time to think and more time to move, and you don't need to keep your head up as much. We saw Slavkowski get caught a number of times mm-hmm. last season with his head down. He's lucky he wasn't more seriously hurt. The fact that he was 230 pounds helped. What's, I mean, he had four goals last year in half a season. Uh, so to me, what would be a good season for him? I would say 12 to 15 goals, if he could get that uh, as a 19-year-old. Um, he played the most games of any of the guys drafted in the first round last year in the NHL. I, again, I, I, he, didn't, he, he wasn't ready to play in the NHL last year, but the Canadians mm-hmm. were just trying to keep him there, and I think they wanted to have him around Adam Nicholas. They wanted to have him around Marty St. Louis. He was also the number one pick, so there's that. You know, he was number one pick coming in and playing immediately in the NHL. But he has, um, you know, 
does he have something to prove? Yeah, he has something to prove this season because he's a number one pick. But if he had been like the number eight pick or the number nine pick, the expectations wouldn't be as high. Um, so I'm sort of comparing him to Ian Lafreniere at this point. Is Lafreniere a, a bust? No, he's been a disappointment to the Ranger fans for a, a number one pick. But he's still young. And and I think for a lot of guys, um, you know, Eric Lindros was sort of different. Eric Lindros was a man when he was a boy, and it made it easier for him as a kid playing but he was also able to play like a man in the NHL. Uh, he still had that habit of keeping his head down, which ended up costing him when Scott Stevens uh, laid him out. But um, so for Selkowski, I think you just need to be realistic expectations. Like I said, if he had 12 goals this season uh, and, and showed improvement, just if you just look more, I think the main thing for him is he just needs to look more comfortable on the ace in the NHL. Mm-hmm. He needs to look the, yeah, just more comfortable with the flow of the game. And, and that's right again. That's why I think Monahan can help him if they have him as a line mate. Because across these top classes, my Monahan was able to slow the game down for him a little bit and control the pace. And I think that's really important for him for his progression is just to get more comfortable with the pace of the NHL. And the fact he watched so many games in the press box last year might help him with that. He might realize that he has more time in certain situations mm-hmm. than he thought, and that he has less time in certain situations than he thought. You know, it was a real problem for him with the puck coming around the boards and the defensive zone and getting it out. Uh, with the defenseman chipping in on him, so they're pinching in on him. So those are the things I'm more looking forward to seeing with him this year, just how he how he adjusts to the speed of uh, of the NHL game. You know what I'm excited for? Uh, because I think he'll get more opportunity than he got last season on the power play. Because I forget who it was against or or what was what the game was, but I, I have a, this vivid memory of him just kind of on the opposite side of Nick Suzuki, where he you know. T- pulls out that rocket of a shot out of nowhere. He scored a goal like that in the mm-hmm. last year. And I was like, there's something there because when you have a shot, yeah. you could play. You, you, that's a tool you could play. You don't exactly have to be the best skater the, you know, the, there's ways to figure it out. Like and Bossy, there was, Hoffman, there's a lot of guys like that. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, yeah. so like I, I saw him unleash that shot. It may not even have gone in and I'm remembering it incorrectly and it rang off the post, but I remember something like that happening. And I'm like, man, once this guy's comfortable on NHL ice, he's going to be able to unleash that shot a lot more because he's again, it's like he, he, there's certain situations where you have more time than you think. Mm-hmm. And the power play is definitely one of those. So I, I feel like once he gets more comfortable and more and more at ease with playing in the NHL, that's a tool to his game. That's going to, you know, at the very least, if he doesn't work out as, you know, this 70 point player, 80 point player, first overall billing, he's at least going to have that in his back pocket to make it to make it work for him. Well, he has a, he has a quick release. There's no doubt about that. He can get the, but he needs to shoot the puck more. And that's just a case, as I mentioned before, just being more comfortable with the pace of the NHL and the smaller rink. And you look what this kid went through last year. I mean, all the hype over being the number one pick. Uh, remember the Bell, at the Bell Center, too. It wasn't like he was the number one pick by the Canadians in Dallas or somewhere. I mean, the arena erupted. Um, you know, adjusting to a new city, a new country, a new language, uh, new teammates, uh, everything. It was, it was a, a, a huge adjustment. That's what that's. Part of the reason why 18-year-olds, it's hard for them to, to succeed in the NHL or be dominant in the NHL as, as a rookie, or even in the second year. So, again, just hope that this year, everything's a little bit more comfortable. He's going to be more comfortable with the city. He's going to be more comfortable with where he lives, more comfortable with his teammates, more comfortable with the travel, more comfortable with you know playing on the smaller rink, all that stuff. 
choose. So it's a gradual progression, uh, which is why I say, like, I'm not expecting you to come in and score 25 goals next season. It's the gradual progression, you know, progression, 10, 10 to 15 goals next season to me would be a, a, a realistic um, progression scale for him going into his second year. And it's 19 years old. He's still a teenager. He's still a kid. Kid in a man's body. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, there was another player on this list, not really ranked very high, but that's because he wasn't eligible to play in the NHL at the point that this was written. And then the next day he is eligible, uh, reportedly, uh, don't know if it was confirmed or not exactly, but reports were saying that he will be able to, to enter NHL ranks is, uh, Logan Mayu. Uh, obviously we know what happened in his past, but I think, uh, as a, you know, personally speaking, everyone deserves a second chance, depending on the degree of what you did and not to diminish what he did. But, you know, very, very young when it happened, he apologized, took ownership, uh, you know, and the Canadians, I feel like, you know, this is this is one thing where it's like Mark, Mark Bergevin put a lot of resources in him. They, they put a first round pick. Kent Hughes and and Jeff Gordon, they wouldn't be punished uh, you know, from Molson, if it didn't work out for him and he didn't, and then they had to cut ways with him because it's not, it's not their asset. They didn't bring him to the team. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is a guy who I'm excited to see in camp, uh, seeing countless, you know, highlights of OHL, you know, OHL highlights of him ripping the puck from the blue line and, and laying people out. Very excited to see him, uh, to see him playing for him to get a second chance in the NHL. Well, he stood out at the development camp. I mean, he was one of the best players on the ice. For a like, guy that big, he moves really well. He has that shot, like you mentioned. Uh, he was playing 30 minutes a game in the OHL playoffs last season. Um, all the talent's there. He's got everything in size. He can move. He can shoot. He can do all that stuff, as you mentioned. The reports that the NHL is going to allow him to play. But until, you know, nothing official. I don't see anything official being announced until the Canadians mm -hmm. decide they want to put him on an NHL roster. Because until then... He's not going to be on an NHL roster. The NHL doesn't have to approve him to be on an NHL roster. But from the ports that came out, it looked, I know he met with Gary Bettman in July. Um, I imagine the Canadians were told we have a pretty good idea of whether he was going to be allowed or yeah. not going to be allowed to play. Just that would factor into their decisions going into into training camp. And then after training camp, if they were to put him on the NHL roster, I imagine that would be when it would be the official announcement. Maybe it'll come earlier since some of the reports have come out. Um, but I expect him to be playing Laval this season. I don't expect him to be playing for the Canadians. I think it'd be the best thing for his development moving forward. And you know, he made what he did. He did when he was 17 years old. He has been punished. He was, you know, he was found guilty in a court in Sweden. He was fine. He was suspended by the OHL. Uh, this is something that's going to follow him the rest of his mm -hmm. career. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be uh, uh, totally forgotten. Uh, but he was 17, and he deserves a second chance. And I believe that he, at this point, he's done everything. He's followed all the programs the Canes have asked him to do. He's done everything they've asked him to do. At this point, I think he should be allowed to play in the NHL. Though I wondered if the NHL might put in some kind of a suspension as much to punish the Canadians as to punish Mayu, because I know Gary Bettman was very upset when the Canadians did mm -hmm. draft Mayu after he had asked not to be drafted by anybody, and especially in the first round. Uh, it didn't look good on the Canes. It didn't look good on the NHL, and Bettman wasn't happy about it. So I wondered if maybe that in the back of Gary Bettman's mind might result in Mayu being suspended for a period if the Canes do indeed put him on our NHL roster. But it's sort of, until they do, it's almost a moot point. But I expect that 
the NHL will give him the okay to, to play in the NHL. And as I said, he's a, it's a second chance. It was uh, uh, three years ago now, I guess it was. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, uh, he, he did the punishment that the courts handed down to him. Um, he's been apologetic. He's, he's said that in the future he hopes to, to help other young people to, to learn from his mistake. Kids today don't realize the stuff they put on their phones and what they they do with their phones is out there forever and the, and the damage it can do to themselves and to other people. Um, so it might be a learning experience for others moving forward. You hope it is. And uh, for Logan Mayu moving forward, I hope he's learned his lesson and that he's going to be, you know, be nothing else like this um, in his future. But as a hockey player, as I said, at the development camp, he, he looked really, really good. I mean, I, I was really impressed by how well he moves and how uh, fluid he is on his skates and, again, with that big shot. So uh, I don't think he's going to be playing in the NHL this season, but, um, you know, a, a year in Laval, I think, would be a good thing for him at this point. In and he hasn't played a lot of hockey. you got to remember, with COVID mm-hmm. and whatnot, he hasn't played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years. So I'm sure the Canes would like to get him, uh, put him in Laval and have him play a ton of minutes down there. You know what I like about hearing that he was a dominant force at the development camp is that you're kind of on equal footing there where, you know, you're playing in the OHL as a 20 year old or a 19 year old. You're like, really, you're, you're in the oldest age category there, you know? So you're playing, you're still playing against 17 and uh, 17 and 16 year olds. And even in some cases, 15 year olds. So when you're at the development camp and you're able to stand out, you're on an equal footing because everyone's, 18, 19, 20 there. So that's uh, that's one thing that I think that a lot of Canadians fans can get excited about because uh, I, I know that uh, Snake Boulevard, one of uh, T- uh, Tony's regular guests, he's not uh, Mayu's biggest fan. He, w- I remember hearing him saying, yeah, he's playing well, but he's playing against kids. This guy is older. He's, uh, he's way older than these guys. Uh, so that, that's one thing that, that comes to mind when thinking about Mayu and agree with you, uh, the, he, he's going to spend the season in Laval and maybe, uh, hopefully not because of injury, but hopefully he gets a couple looks in the NHL just because, you know, you, I'd like to see in another season where it quote unquote, doesn't matter the results so much. I mean, you'd like to, you'd like to do better than you did last year, but you know, in a season where the results on the ice don't really matter so much for, um, at the end of a game, you know, just say, hey, you know, you played well, uh, you look really good. Let's let's see how far along you are. And just, uh, you know, Laval's 20 from Bell Center to Place Bell is what, uh, 25 minutes an hour if there's traffic. So, you know, that's not really disrupting all that much of his play in Laval versus uh, if he was in St. John's. Yeah, and as I said, I just think Laval's the place. And you know, going back to development camp, it's sort of, you know, it's two days of uh, drills and one four-on-four mm-hmm. scrimmage. So, just it's, it's you can't focus too much on that. Uh, you know, people were breaking down the the scrimmage and the four. It's a four-on-four scrimmage, is what it was. But just in the drills, I mean, he stood out um, just by how well he moved, how well he shot the puck, and it was it was physical too. The drills, and and, and he was very very physical and. and you know, but the, again, the jump to playing anywhere below the NHL and going to the NHL, it's huge. And, you know, Jaden mm-hmm. Struble at the development camp, he was their second round pick uh, the year they took uh, Caulfield, 2019. And he's a big kid, 6'4", 215 pounds, built like a, an NFL football player almost. 
And at development camp, he was talking about, you know, he went from university and he played a few games in the Lyle last year. He said he was surprised. And this is at the AHL, not the NHL. He says, you know, NCAA hockey had shove guys and they'd fall into the boards and they go down. In the AHL, they don't. It's the AHL, not the NHL. Just the strength that players have at the AHL level and the NHL level, whatever size they are, the strength. So that's going to be another thing for me. He said he was a big guy playing against younger kids in the OHL, but I mean, everybody playing junior at that age, if you're big, that's the case. It's whether they can carry it over to the NHL, as I mentioned with Lafreniere, a similar thing, a big guy playing junior, and it's been more difficult for him. But um, again, today's NHL for a defenseman and the, mobi- the, the mobility they have to have, and he has that along with the size and the shot. So that's um, you can, it's hard to play defense in the NHL today if you're not mobile. Uh, if you're not mobile, you got to really be able to think fast. Like David Savard, one of the reasons David Savard was able to play so well, and Marty saying we talked about that. His feet might not be that quick, but his brain's quick. He can think and be in the right positions. Uh, but for Logan May, who um, he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be really interesting to watch uh, during training camp. Um, and as I said, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll end up playing in Laval this year, and he'll play a lot. And as he said, it's not far for him to get. Uh, from Laval to Montreal, it's also not fan, far from fans to go to Laval if they want to watch them play. And Laval's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of fun to watch this year. Oh, big of, time. They're going to have a lot of players with that are going to be the future of the Canadians playing down there. And it's been a while since the Canadians have had that depth on their farm team. As Rob Ryman said at the development camp, you know, when he first joined the Canadians in his role, um, as a you know, look, player, player development, he said the covers were pretty bare. Uh, the covers are getting full now since Ken Hughes took over and they'll continue to get more full and fans will be lucky. Now you just need to go to Laval to watch them. It's not like when they're in St. John's and you'd have to you know, jump a plane and go over there to watch them, <laughs> which, I, which I did a few years ago. But uh, yeah, Laval's going to be a lot of fun. I think the Canadians are going to be fun to watch this season. And I think Laval's also going to be fun to watch. So Montreal hockey fans are going to be in for a treat. It's coming up fast. It's coming up fast. fast. Labor Day is Labor Day is already uh, next uh, next month next Monday, and then you know, the golf, golf tournament. Kane's oh. golf tournament September 11th. It's all coming up quick. And by then, you'll be able to uh, tell by my mood had if the Bengals had won the prior <laughs> day or the previous week. It's happening fast. It's exciting. End of summer always has the, it's, uh, there's always it's silver great, lining uh, to the end of summer. It's a great time of year when you get to September, October, and you have baseball playoffs and NFL starting and NHL starting. It's a great time of the year. There you go. Stu, thank you very much, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Okay, you too. That was Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. I am Matt O'Han of the Sick Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.